This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. My next guest has been a sports opinion shaper in Arizona for two decades plus. And we'll talk about that. Plus, of course, the Phoenix Suns and the journey that they're on and how that can play in the Valley of the Sun. From 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports, their afternoon drive host, John Gambadora, joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, Johnny G? Good, Jody Mack, my old friend. How are you? I'm good, and I'm assuming that you're pretty damn good because you've got a chance to experience something with all your Arizona fans out there that you guys haven't in quite some time. Suns potentially in the NBA final. It, last time that happened, uh, that big guy Charles Barkley was in town, correct? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, when I moved here from New York, you know, I remember driving on the uh, passing flagstaff. The first sign I saw, a billboard, it said, we just added a, a little rocket fuel. That's when they traded Barkley to the, to the rocket. And uh, that was my first memory. And I've been here since 97. This is the most excited this fan base has been about anything, and that includes the Cardinals going to the damn Super Bowl and losing to the Steelers. I mean, this is a Suns town. They were here first. They're the original from back in the 60s. And this fan base is as good as – and, and you, you've heard it, Jody Mack. You've heard people rave about this fan base. It's as yeah. good as anything I've ever seen. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because, yes, the Suns were there first. Uh, the Cardinals moved in. The D-backs came via a- expansion. Hockey comes and goes. Uh, but the Suns have been the staple in that town for a long time. And, yes, it's a I think it's a basketball town. Uh, I've never done sports talk there, but we've got an affiliate there. Uh, so I get to hear from Arizona fans. Yes, it's always been a basketball town. What is it about this team, other than their accomplishment, their one game away from being in the NBA championship round? Is there something specific about this team that this fan base likes that much? You know, I think, first of all, I think it's a different fan base. I, I think, you know, you know, back in the 90s, they had a lot of old fans. And Jerry Colangelo and Brian Colangelo wanted to move those fans out. So what they did is they priced and Those were the fans that used to show up with a tuna fish sandwich and a bottle of water. They wouldn't spend any money. They wouldn't buy concessions. They wouldn't buy a hat or a shirt. They wouldn't buy for a hot dog or a hamburger. They wouldn't pay for parking. They, so they wanted to move those fans out. Then you had a new fan base that came in around the Nash, Amari, Sean Marion era. It was a good fan base. But this fan base is different. I think a lot of it is, you know, people like me, you know, we, we moved here with our kids. And, you know, the, the Suns and the, the, the Diamondbacks, they weren't our favorite team. But our kids are growing up. All the kids that moved here with their parents in the 90s and the early 2000s, these, these are their favorite teams. Now, as far as the team being likable, a couple of things here. One, they've gone 11 years without winning. 
So this, they're hungry for the winning. The other is homegrown team. Devin Booker drafted by the team. DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. A lot of these guys were homegrown players that the fans have watched for a number of years, and they're excited about those players. You had a Chris Paul, a Jay Crowder. You put it all together, you've got a really good basketball team. Uh, understood, except I will correct you on one thing. Uh, Mikael Bridges was not drafted by the Suns. He was yeah, drafted yeah, by the yeah, 76ers. Okay, and an hour and a half later was foolishly traded by the 76ers to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, we'll, we'll consider him a draft pick of the Suns. He never played the Suns. <laughs> he, he put a hat on. He did put the hat on, but he's a Philly kid. He's from Nova. His mother works for the Sixers. And they there. kept yeah, him for an hour and a half and then traded him. How's that year Smith working out for them? Oh, God. Thanks for rubbing salt in the wounds. Uh, my buddy John Gambadora from uh, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports, our guest here on CBS. All right, yes, for the most part, Arizona's a pretty damn uh, homegrown team. I would agree with that. Uh, but Chris Paul is the engine that makes it run. Devin Booker's our best player. DeAndre Ayton is flashing uh, the, why he was the number one pick in the draft here in this round. But Chris Paul is the guy who seems to keep everything on the straight and narrow. When they made the trade, when they decided to bring Chris Paul, because he had become a little bit of an NBA vagabond, going from the Clippers to Oklahoma City to the Rockets and now to Phoenix. I, I wasn't sure what he had left in the tank. I thought he was still a good leader, but I didn't know if he had top-level skills. What was the feeling in Phoenix, that this was the missing piece or – we're just uh, taking a shot here. Why are we bringing in this $40 million old man? No, you know, last year they had Ricky Rubio for one year. It was the first decent point guard that Devin Booker's played with, and that's the truth. That was the first decent point guard that, that Book played with. And with Ricky Rubio, they, they were a decent team. They weren't good, but they did go 8-0 in the bubble, right? There was no Chris Paul when they were in the bubble. They went 8-0 in the bubble, and they got their feet wet, and they were on the verge of becoming a better team. When they got Chris Paul, I think the feeling was simple. The Suns are going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. That might be a six seed, maybe a seven seed, but they're going to make the playoffs. No one, no one could have expected that they'd be the two seed and one went away from the NBA finals with Chris Paul. He has been tremendous for them to the point where if he decides to opt out of this uh, contract and he has an opt out, they'll resign him for two or three years and keep him because he's been everything they could have imagined. He's made DeAndre Ayton better. He's made all of the players better. So, uh, he he came here, and the expectations were he gets you into the playoffs. Nobody expected that he'd get him into the NBA Finals. You mentioned the 8-0 in the bubble, which wasn't enough for them to uh, advance in the playoffs and uh, start their, their building process in postseason. But 8-0 is 8-0. And as you mentioned, it did give them something to build on during this offseason. Who should get credit for that? Was that... Monty Williams, was it any specific player or groups of players? If that began the turnaround of the Phoenix Suns, who should be getting credit for it now? You know, I mean, Joe, you know this, right? It starts at the top. I mean, you got to have a commitment from ownership down to the general manager, down to the coach. I mean, for the first time ever, Robert Sarver, for the first time in a long, long time, he hired an experienced coach. No more first-year coaches. He went through like five or six of them. They hired Monty Williams, James Jones, decided to put James Jones brought in campaign. Nobody knew anything about campaign last year. He ended up playing in the bubble. Wow, this guy's pretty good. This guy was in the G League. This guy was in China, and he's been one of the best backup point guards in the league. The credit goes to them. The credit goes to the ownership and the management and the coach for, you know, fueling what this is right now, for 
for, for developing these players. They developed DeAndre Ayton. They, they put a good roster together with good quality depth, which, you know, Cam Johnson was a good draft pick. He's a solid role player for them. Campaign is a good backup point guard. He came out of nowhere. This year, Torrey Craig, you know, again, they, they got him for cash. So I think the credit really goes to those guys. You know, the players, of course, but you got to put the right team together, and they did that. Give them credit. You are correct. All right. Uh, you're watching last night's game, and you're doing so with a rooting interest for sure as a Phoenix guy, a uh, guy like myself just watching at home, uh, don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just observing. That was like three and a half minutes of the ugliest NBA playoff basketball I've ever watched. It was 71 to 70 for about 20 minutes. It seemed like it was literally 20 minutes. It was that long. Neither yeah, 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 team. Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Jody, it can't be any worse than watching Ben Simmons shoot free throws. But but at least the Sixers would get someone else to take a shot and make a shot. You're right. Overall, Ben's free throw shooting. Well, no, they were over, and Ben makes one every three, uh, which is god-awful and hideous. But um, that was some ugly basketball. When the game was over and done with, were you able to just put that out of your mind, how bad the Suns were for that three-minute period? Because, oh, yes, the Clippers were equally bad. Yeah, I mean, it was both teams. I mean, you kept feeling, I mean, the Clippers had 12 chances to tie or take the lead, and they missed every single one of those shots in the fourth oh. quarter. 12 chances to tie the game or take the lead, and they went over on those things. And that doesn't include two shot clock violations. I mean, it was an ugly game. I mean, it, you know, it was an 80s type basketball game. I felt like I was watching the Pistons and the Knicks. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, it was bad. I mean, nobody was executing, nobody was making a shot. It happens once in a while. I mean, the Suns are an exciting up and up, you know, up and down team. I mean, they're, they're yeah. great in transition. They could shoot the three. They could go inside to a prototypical big man. So to see the Suns struggle like that and play a game like that was was kind of odd. The Clippers, I think, is just sheer exhaustion, man. I mean, think about that. They've been playing every other day since like June second. So I think eventually that was going to wear them out and tire them out. And it was good defense. I and mean, we have to give credit to the defense that was played by both teams. I mean, Pat Bev's playing great defense. Reggie Jackson's playing great defense. DeAndre Ayton has been tremendous for the Suns defensively. And Mikhail Bridges. So I think we give some of the credit to the defense. And then I think the other thing you just look at is exhaustion. I think the Clippers were exhausted and they couldn't make a shot. If you're right about that, then the Suns should be able to close this one out in game number five, right? This crowd is ridiculous. I mean, I've been to World Series games at Yankee Stadium, right? I've been to Super Bowl. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is this is unlike anything people have ever seen. If the Suns go on a run, this this crowd is, you know, it's demoralizing for the other team. They did it to the Lakers. They did it to the Nuggets. You know, they did it to the Clippers, you know, in that first uh, those first two games. The crowd is just crazy. I, I think that Chris Paul and Devin Booker have to play better. I mean, you can't have two terrible games. The first game, the, that that Paul came back in, they, those guys were 10 for 40 from the field, 10 for 40. And in this game, they were 14 for 44. So what's that, 24 for 84 oh. for those two guys? They got to play better. If they don't play better, the Clippers could steal one here. If those guys play well, this thing is over in five, and they'll get a long rest before the NBA Finals. But I do think that those guys have to play better because if they if they play like this, it does open the door for the Clippers to take a game. That uh, you're right in that Devin Brooks the last couple of games hasn't been the monstrous uh, dominator that he had been previously in the uh, playoffs. Um, I had said here on CBS Sports Radio last week that the two guys who had made the biggest move up the ladder in just NBA stardom, if you're looking at individual talents, 
were Devin Booker and Trey Young, that they have uh, moved up uh, leaps and bounds on where you would rank them if you were ranking all the uh, superstar talent in the NBA. But your guy DeAndre Ayton these last couple Love of him. games has said, yeah, how about me, Jody Mack? How about me moving up in the rankings of NBA players? Because, honestly, over the first couple of years of his NBA career, I thought he was a disappointment. But, man, has he graduated in a hurry in this postseason, most specifically in this round. But he played damn well uh, throughout the postseason. How has this guy made these big jumps and strides as much as he has in this year's playoffs? Chris Paul, Monty Williams, those two pushing him and pushing him, the both of them. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. And three months ago, a lot of this fan base and a lot of the media here wanted to trade him. They wanted to go get Carl Anthony Towns. They were, they were frustrated with DeAndre. There's always been the comparisons with him against Luka. Oh, the Suns should have taken Luka. First of all, I don't think Luka and Devin Booker could have coexisted together. I, I'm, one of those guys would have been gone. So I, don't, I, I think they made the right choice. The other thing is the people here didn't want to be patient. He's a big. He was 22 years old. He played one year of college. You've got to give him time to develop. Nobody wanted to give him time to develop. They saw Luka going off, and they're like, oh, my God, why did we draft Luka Doncic? You know, we, so there was a lot of people that wanted to trade DeAndre Ayton for a center that could help them win right now. It was crazy talk. I'm telling you it was crazy talk. And now this kid's going to get a max contract. He's been their best player in these playoffs. He's been their most consistent player in these playoffs. He's blew right by Rudy Gobert. He's the top three center in the league, and he's 22 years old. This kid is amazing. He is your proto. Everything's around the basket. Six feet. He'll knock an occasional jump shot down, but he's not that big that's shooting threes. He's around the basket. He's a great rim protector, a great defender. Doesn't block a ton of shots, but he can block shots, and he can score. There's a lot to like about his game, Jody. I'm telling you, he's come a long way in just three months. All right. Where were you end of game two when the Suns are down by one point with .9 seconds to go and are inbounding the ball in uh, the far corner, and they go alley-oop. I guess it's not really an alley-oop that uh, would describe an in-action in play, just a <laughs> phenomenal pass right at the rim that DeAndre Ayton drops in. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest, first thought, thing I thought was, well, whoa, can he do that? The ball looked over the rim. Yeah, you yeah. can do it on the pass. You can't do it on a shot, but you can do it on a pass. Where were you and what was your first thought? All right, so so I've been to every single one of these games, right? I mean, I cover all these games. You know, I've been doing it for 20, since 97, however many years, 24 years here. So right. I'm, a guy, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that goes to games. So I go to all the games. Um, so I was at the game. But, I, but for one game every series, I've gotten my family tickets into a game. So I got them a, I got them a box for that game. So my family and friends and everybody, they, they were there. So I actually went over to the box, and I was with my family for the ending of that game. For most of the second half, I was with my family. So I was actually with my wife and her friends and my son and his friends when that happened. And the place was going just berserk. My wife took a video of it. I have to send it to you. And uh, I think I put it on my Twitter page, too, Gambo987. I think yeah, it is okay. on my Twitter page, Gambo987. But that's where I was. I mean, I've told my wife, I'll give, you, I'll give you tickets for one game against the Lakers, one against the Nuggets, and one against the Clippers. Well, now they want to go to tomorrow's game. I'm going, no, I'm not. <laughs> we're, we're going to Italy Tuesday. I'm like, we're gonna, you're not getting tickets. Are you watching tomorrow's game from home in, in front of the TV? Because one game every series, I've let the family go with tickets, but they're not. They want now, like, I want to go tomorrow. Well, you should have waited. You shouldn't have wanted to go to game two. You should have said, well, let's wait till game five. 
Uh, but then if they uh, sweep it in four, and oh, by the way, yeah. they were coming off a sweep, then you don't get to go to any game, so I can understand their hedging. I'm not giving the Gambadoro family any hard time. You can do that. I'll leave that to you. Um, <laughs> I, la- last thing, um, and I, I'm going to ask you to be unbiased here. I'm going to give you a chance to be biased and also I, unbiased. Yeah, I could do that. Give me the one thing that can happen, that either the Suns can do poorly or the Clippers can do well that could force this series to game five, I think you kind of already gave me the, if Booker and Paul play like they can play, well, then see you later, done, gone, goodbye, they're going to win. Uh, So give me on the uh, downside possibility what can either uh, the Clippers do and ace up their sleeve, maybe they haven't been able to play yet, or something that does scare you a little bit out the Suns, that means they could head back to L.A.? I'll give you the Clippers. They led the NBA in three-point efficiency in the regular season, and they shot 16% in that game. They shot 16%, Jody Mack. So for the Clippers, they got to get back to doing what they do well, and that's shoot the three. If they knock down the threes, they have a chance. All of these games have been so close, man. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, Paul George misses two free throws. I mean, you talked about the, the play with Jake Crowder throwing it to the basket and DeAndre just tipping it in to win game two. But I would say the Clippers, the Clippers are going to shoot better than 16%. So for them, it's three-point shooting. And they need the Suns' backcourt to play poorly again because that really helps them. If Booker and Chris Paul get going, then this thing's over tomorrow. I really believe that. If those guys play their normal game, I think the Suns win this thing. Close, because all of these games are close. But if those guys struggle for a third straight game, remember, they struggled twice. The Clippers won one, the Suns won one. If those guys struggle, it, it's hard for the Suns to win basketball games. And then, yeah, you get like, uh, you won't miss anything. You're going to Italy, and it'll be a while before the NBA Finals start because I think the East is going to take a little bit longer to finish out. But uh, I'm uh, rooting for your squad there, Johnny G. I have a great time on the air talking to all those good Phoenix basketball fans. We appreciate you talking with us tonight. You got it, Jody Max. Talk to you soon. Take care. John Gambadora. He is the afternoon drive host on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. Uh, and I knew John, yes, for the past 20 plum, some odd years uh, when he was back as a New Yorker many moons ago. But now he's a Arizona guy and he's hoping to get his Phoenix Suns home. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.